everyone, and welcome to the next episode of Innovators Growth Podcast. I'm Abby. And I'm Megan. And on today's episode, we will be featuring Molly Kane, a three-time startup founder, an angel investor, and the founder of GovCity. Molly, why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you've been up to? Ladies, it is so fun to join you guys and, and see you after a break, after a while. Um, God, where do I start? Um, let's start with the pandemic. <laughs> it's probably the best um, entrepreneurial update I can give you guys. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with South by Southwest, um, but it is the big startup. Well, it used to be a big music conference, but it happens every March or used to. Um, and last year, Gov City was appearing for its second time. So for its first birthday, um, we launched it in 2019 in March at South by. And um, the reason I'm diving right into that story is because I think if you've got entrepreneurial minded folks listening and watching this, um, the roller coaster that is entrepreneurship is probably the most important thing to be aware of and to prepare yourself for. So um, South by Southwest was canceled last March. Um, We were scheduled to break even, which is an enormous accomplishment from a startup perspective. We're scheduled to break even on March 15th for our event, and it was canceled on March 6th. (laughs) So, yeah, so it, um, it was an enormous disruption. And for about 48 hours, I wondered what to do with my life and with my hands of like, Oh my God, I've just gone all in. Um, I know you guys are familiar with bootstrapping. So everything was in it. Um, so the past year has been quite an adventure. Um, and we can spend some time talking about that, but Gov City still lives. It actually is taking a really interesting different form. And I think the universe had, it's uh, aggressive ways of sending me down that path. (laughs) But um, I'm also working for the Defense Logistics Agency. So I do a little bit of everything with the the government spin that I really find absolutely rewarding and uh, fulfilling. And then uh, with GovCity, I've kind of targeted a little, I guess, having a year to figure out what its life needed to be. I feel even more committed to the direction it's going. Yeah, it's incredible to hear all of that because, like, I know I like when you when you fall down to where things seem a lot harder. Like with COVID, it's so hard to get back on your feet. Can you tell us a little more about what you said after forty eight hours? You said for about forty eight hours, you guys. Now, what happened <laughs> yeah. after those forty eight hours? And like, how'd you bounce back? Um, well, so I'm I'm picking forty eight hours because eventually, like, you run out of tears. <laughs> And so um, it's, it's one of those where you're like, I guess, I mean, there's literally nothing. Um, I had poured absolutely everything into it. I moved up to Virginia from Texas and I went all in on South by Southwest. So that is another actual key point that I think it's important to make from a startup perspective. Um, a lot of my favorite founders always say burn the boats. Um, And that's just like, get out there or get on the island and burn all your boats so you and your team don't turn back and run away. Mm -hmm. Um, That has a lot of positive to it and then a lot of uh, panic to it (laughs) as well. So um, we had definitely done that. But um, I would say after 48 hours, and I guess it's probably important as well to mention, I didn't make the decision I canceled our event the day before South by Southwest canceled theirs. Um, And 
if anybody reads up about how South by Southwest happened and ultimately canceled last year, there were petitions to cancel it. There were, it was, it was set to be the most viral coronavirus like spreader event ever. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so um, a lot of locals were obviously very concerned about thousands of people piling into Austin. Um, And it just, it felt wrong, even though the event hadn't been canceled yet. So I made a call to, I think about four very specific mentors of mine. One of them was in the White House at the time, not like, not the very specific one in the White House, but someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I asked her and she, and I was like, if the event goes on and I cancel ours, um, I'm going to look completely ridiculous and very stupid. And I'm going to lose almost a hundred thousand um, dollars. And she, she told me, she was like, Molly, you're actually calling me because you want confidence into in making the decision that you've obviously already made. And so um, the importance of a mentor and multiple mentors and a network around you, a nest of people to give you the confidence of the decision that you already know you want to be making is one way that I've hacked my insecurities. Um, and that would be like the most powerful advice that I've learned through practice this year um, is I know my gut knows my, my business. It knows my skills. It knows what's right versus what's wrong. Um, Canceling our event was for the safety of, you know, thousands of people that were going to walk into our event. And so um, it was the right thing to do, but sometimes you need that extra push over the edge. And so I made calls to the people that I knew would actually tell me that I should cancel. Um, there were other calls. Oh goodness. Sorry. Um, that was loud (laughs) in my ear. I don't know if it was in yours. Um, so I made calls to the people that would walk me down the path of, of that decision versus making calls with people who would talk me into doing it. Um, and so that's some, that's something I've learned about myself is that I need to make the specific networks and reach outs. Um, after the 48 hours, the freedom to take the business anywhere was magical. <laughs> I can, I, I, there's no better explanation to where you've literally lost everything. Um, and I'm wired to be very excited about that because I couldn't do anything wrong. There's no roadmap to how you deal with a business that's just been punched in the throat with the pandemic. So mm-hmm. Um, that was actually quite fun for me. So this year has had stress, but it's mostly been an enormous gift. Mm-hmm. Everything that you've kind of said just goes back to all the passion that you can obviously see from you talking about Gov City and all your work and talking about like all the networks that you've made and how it's made you and your brand and your companies like spark so much more. What was kind of your initial mission behind Gov City and you talked about your networking. Was that kind of like the main factor of where Gov City took place or like started to get bigger or did your networking come a little bit after that? That's an awesome question. Um, I have always, I've used the phrase uh, that I collect good humans. Um, That started happening in, I would specifically say, I remember it started happening in around 2006. Um, My two bosses were just the most, astronomically wonderful people. 
um, a, a, a woman named Shannon and a guy named Scott. And they were um, basically like, you've heard of work husband, work wives. These were my work parents. <laughs> and they, uh, they were about 10 years older than me. They still are. Um, but they, they watched me bumble around as a 25 year old with extreme confidence and zero expertise. So I just like, I could solve all the problems and I was the smartest person in the world. Um, I wanted more money. I wanted the corner office. I wanted the best projects. I wanted all these things. And I was a project manager running security awareness programs for them. And um, I remember walking in and asking for a certain amount of money as a bonus, just this cocky 25 year old. And um, Scott was like, what have you done to earn that? You haven't done anything to earn that money. Um, and he was like, why don't you come back into my office as soon as you have a plan to be worth that amount of bonus. Mm -hmm. And um, so he, they always supported my hunger for growth and money and progress and success. Uh, but they, they slapped lessons on top of it of, oh, you, you really want stock this year? Well, um, present like some enormous campaign that would, that would make it worthwhile. And so um, they constantly made me work for the elevated like level that I wanted. And so that was the first, those were the first two people I remember distinctly that I really wanted to be like, and I really wanted to keep forever. Um, both of them moved on to a different company, the same company, and then they refused to hire me and I was left behind. Um, but they were like, you, you need to be a manager. Your next stage is manager. We don't have a manager role at this, at this next company. So why don't you just start browsing for another opportunity? And so they kind of left me homeless, but on purpose. Um, and I still, I still talk to them all the time. Um, very, very close to them. And um, they just always reminded me that I needed to work for that level that I, I wanted. Um, as I moved into each new company and each new position, I've only ever since then, I've only hired bosses that I like that give me that same feeling. Um, and it's really this purposeful route that I've chosen of hiring my bosses. If I walk into an interview and I, I interact with somebody that gives me the heebie-jeebies, <laughs> then I'm like, mm -mm. we're not, yeah, we're not going to get along. And I'd just rather not arrive before getting frustrated with you and vice versa. And um, so I only hire good bosses. And then if I do that well, then I usually en end up meeting really amazing colleagues and peers. And so I collect all these great people. Um, and once I got into the startup world in 2014, um, my network expanded tenfold. I was running a startup accelerator at the time, and we had about 70 mentors that were connected with our organization that were advising all the startups that were in our portfolio. And I took many of them as my own mentors. Um, sometimes I'd sit in the startup meetings and get to know, you know, the mentors from that perspective. And then I'd also ask them about my own startups and things like that. And so um, I've just collected and learned from so many different people. And I've really become quite hungry and curious about the expertise of others. Even um, my friend, Jeremy says, Jeremy McCain says something, people only care about what they love, um, but you can't, you can't love anything that you don't understand. So um, that's kind of driven. I mean, that, that spoke to me because it's driven a, a lot of the methodology that I follow. Um, 
to your question about Gulf City, I have always found value in individuals, whether they're working with me directly or not, whether I report to them or they report to me or we're in the same company. I like you two, I, I learn a lot from you. Um, I learn a lot from Don. I learn a lot from everybody, even, you know, if we're not in the same office. So when I was at Homeland Security in 2016 to 2018, um, I felt really alone in a very, very new and, um, difficult, <laughs> we'll use that term, uh, difficult environment. And um, I relied very heavily on my personal networks, not only for the strength to do my job, but also like this constant connection to the outside world so that I could bring that value inside. Um, and I realized that a lot of government folks don't have those networks, especially if they've been in the government for their entire careers. Um, it's just not an encouraged activity to learn and explore uh, topics that you don't know. Um, if I'm working in innovation at Homeland Security, then why am I learning about jellyfish in the ocean? It's kind of how they think. And, um, and then I'm like, well, jellyfish are fascinating. They could like recreate themselves, you know, and <laughs> I'll just go, <laughs> yeah, they're fascinating creatures. Um, and so are whales and so are so outer space. I learned about space trash for like two full days so that I could have a really interesting conversation with Bill Nye, which was not even remotely associated with my job. But um, I just love learning random because there's, I guess, not only is that skill set of learning something quickly can put you into a room and you can, you can make sense of that conversation very fast. Um, but it just grows that network where I know who to call if I need to have a discussion about space trash and satellites that are loose in outer space. Um, and so when, when I left Homeland Security, I, I felt like um, that not only would it be a really fun business model, but it would actually help someone like me in the government who knew there was more, but that network wasn't available. And so Gov City is actually, um, it's, it's meant to be more of a tribal safe place for, I, I call us aliens, but like creative innovators, um, people that have to know different things. Um, and if I knew you two solved a problem in a certain way and I had a problem that's completely unrelated, but your method might work. So um, there's a lot of, it's about exposing um, government individuals but also introducing them to people like y'all so. something that you said a little bit earlier that was really inspiring how your work parents kind of moved on to a different chapter and kind of left you there I think that's kind of inspiring as like people in Abby and I's positions because we do have these mentors who were kind of leaving behind or going in different pathways but they're still teaching us big things like when we're leaving like they told you that you deserved a different position or a higher position than they can offer you. So kind of leaving you um, after being so inspiring and being so like there for you and everything that you've done is kind of something that like being a young entrepreneur is hard for us to understand in some points. So you really emphasizing that and how that impacted your journey was really mm -hmm. inspiring and connects with Abby and I on a lot of different levels with AM therapeutics and just kind of everything that we've been doing. Sure. It does feel, you feel a little homeless, right? Whenever your mentor is like, go, get out of the nest, go. Yes, it's definitely scary, but just hearing you saying like everything that you've overcome after that and how it's pushed you has definitely 
made it made me look at it a little bit different too. So that's exciting. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it definitely it's not without complete frustration because you get even with and and I'm coming to this realization just in this conversation, but even with um, the boldness that these individuals can give us as mentors when we're in the same room with them, it's a it's another level of comfort zone to like be standing with these people that we trust that we feel strong when we're with them. Um, that's our status quo when we're, when we're with them. So if we can survive outside the nest, um, it's that, it's that next level and they see it too. And, um, I still talk with Scott about like, when is the day we're going to work together again? And, um, it's been now how long, almost, almost 20 years, almost 10 years. Yeah. Almost 10. Yeah. And I mean, we totally feel that, especially like we just entered college. So we just said bye to all of our high school mentors. And it's, it's so sad, but it's also, I remember one time in high school, one of my teachers told me it's lonely being in this field sometimes, even though we have all these networks and there's a lot of different mentors and different um, people that you meet. It's still lonely because you're the one with your passion doing what you're doing. Um, But with that put aside, how would you recommend like students like us to find mentors as they're saying goodbye to other mentors? Like, what do you think should be their next step? Um, Well, I say never say goodbye to your mentors. So um, definitely keep them. But um, the reliance changes. Like that relationship and reliance should change as you change. And that's probably why they're encouraging you like, hey, stop calling me, that kind of thing. Um, But I would say you're you you struck a chord with me on that one in terms of like as you're growing in your new space um and how do you find new mentors i really well actually let's go back i you're speaking to me on the level with the loneliness or you know that solo journey that kind of aspect there are also solo wins which does make it very uncomfortable too when you get a really big win and nobody else is living this life with you. Who do you call? Who, like, who do you celebrate with? Nobody, <laughs> nobody can make sense of it. Um, my parents are like, what are you doing now? Where did you, where, what should we celebrate with you? Um, they're very supportive, but the stories don't make sense to a lot of people. So having that ecosystem around you, not just your mentors, but having peers who might not be working on the same thing, but they're living that same roller coaster is extremely important. Um, and I actually, I'm in that zone right now of uh, like collecting groups of people that are expanding my brain and expanding my bravery and um, awareness and exposure to other things. I'm intentionally finding mastermind groups and things like that. Um, and it's just it, with mentors, I'm trying to think of like my I don't really have a process of adopting them. I, I really do. I feel like I have a good human detector. I also have um, a, a fantastic BS detector. And one thing that I'm learning right now, and maybe, maybe this would be helpful for you guys. One thing I'm learning right now is to be extremely specific about like, even if that person has an incredible career, if they give me a bad vibe, if I don't like who they are or how they run business or their ethics or how they make me feel when I'm sitting next to them, I, they can't mentor me. <laughs> they, um, and it's sometimes it's really hard because there's somebody that's a billionaire sitting there, but you're like, God, you're such a jerk. Yeah. And 
Um, so that's one of the hardest parts because there's a lot of people who think certain people are really admirable. Um, but if it doesn't strike your your soul and who you are and your ethics and legalities and things like that, if it doesn't strike you in all the right ways, uh, that's not a good mentor. So um, that's been, I've, it's taken me many, many years to learn how to associate with people that make me a better human as well. Um, and I've certainly made a lot of terrible decisions about that. So the, the gut decision of like, this person doesn't make me feel good. They could probably teach me how to be a billionaire, but I would hate myself. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's, I, I guess my best advice is know who to not choose. And then the others will bubble up to the top. Yeah. I really appreciate you sharing that because I feel like it's so easy to get distracted by people's like quantified credentials, what people are putting on their paper, what they're saying that they're doing. And you have to like remain true to yourself if you're really going to follow through with your passions. So that was really, really encouraging to hear. I appreciate that. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, you guys are in such a unique position when I was in college, you know, Google came around when I was a junior. (laughs) So, um, so the credentials, even the, the online paper credentials, um, they, I'm sure people have been running scams forever, um, influence scams and things like that, but it just wasn't striking us as heavy as it is you guys. And so um, I can imagine like being able to parse between like, is that person, like, is that really a stat? Like usually if they say we've grown three, 3000% 3, of something, then you're like, Oh, cool. So you called your grandmother, your aunt, your nephew. <laughs> and so, yeah. I was going to say seeing those credentials and then differentiating between whether or not that person wants to help you or if they want to help you help them, you know, if they're the, in it for them. Yeah. That's a skill. Um, for me, I've had to spend time with a lot of bad people to understand how I get scammed by them. <laughs> and so Uh, that takes time. I think other people are a lot better about that. I've studied a lot about human nature and, um, you know, as women that that's going to be, I'm sure you guys have already realized this, like it's going to be pretty prevalent that there's a lot of guys that will come to you with under the, under the faux diversity or women's rights or feminism and things like that. And they're doing that actually to look good publicly themselves, which is extremely aggravating. Um, but you can usually tell when somebody is being disingenuous. I'm sure even especially y'all's age with the spot. Um, but it's been, it's an adventure right now, especially like the, the cool hip thing to be is understandably so is to be diverse and to accept more women into the space and this and this, but um, there's still really bad people out there that still want to win. So obviously this is a great angle for them. So that's something that I would say, be very careful about, but, um, most allies, most, most guys that want to help women and, and help us get into rooms that we wouldn't traditionally be invited in are not posting about how much they love doing that. They're actually just calling you and saying, Hey, Megan, come to this meeting. That's, that's how you could identify a really good person. Mm-hmm. That's a, I think a really like great angle to look at it instead of just, you know, taking it surface level. Um, So kind of looking back at who you were like in elementary school, middle school, did you ever think that this is where you were going to be? Or did you have any dreams of, I want to run my own business and be this 
great entrepreneur or kind of what were your dreams back then and how like does it affect how you are now or where you're at now? <laughs> um, I'd say at that age, um, uh, oh, my Alexa keeps talking to me. Um, at that age, my greatest dream was to finish school because I had such extreme ADD. There were some days in fourth grade, my mom had to come to class and like fill out my assignments on the board of like take home assignments and um, to be able to remind me to capture stuff on paper. So I struggled with organization and remembering and oh my God, it was, yeah. But I was also super shy. And so I did retain things, but I only retained the things that were interesting to me, which is like, I learned how to treat yourself on curiosity and learning like very, very early. Um, I, I would say at a very, very early age, my, my dad, I come from a line of small business owners. I wouldn't say my, my grandfather was an entrepreneur um, in the construction world. And then my dad bought a portion of that company. And so my dad was a small business owner, which is a different story than entrepreneur, but there's lots of grit that is applied in both situations. Um, and so every Friday morning, I remember as a kid in elementary school, my dad would take me to work at 4 a.m. and we'd go get donuts for the whole office. And then I would sit there and play on his drafting table and have donuts and watch him like send everybody out into the field at like 6 a.m. and then he'd drive me to school. And so I witnessed how much hard work went into it, but I also witnessed my dad came to every single sporting event ever. So even golf tournaments, he would get a golf cart and drive to every hole and watch me um volleyball games basketball games all the things so he was extremely present and I remember I remember vividly being like God, dad works really really hard but he gets to do everything that he wants with the family because of that and so that was actually the first memory I have of admiring entrepreneurship and business ownership is the freedom that can come from it um but it never ever ever nothing was easy um and he was always working. And I, I still to this day, I wake up in the 4 a.m. hour um, because it's just like something woven into me about like, oh, if you're going to if you want a successful, productive day, Molly, you've got to wake up in the 4 a.m. hour, uh, which is insane. But um, it's, it's this work ethic that my dad taught me and I witnessed it. And so I would say I craved and I had no influence in my life of like banking and white collar winning corporate ladder climbing or anything like that. But um, I started craving that. And that's that, um, that's that whole level climbing thing of I want more money. I want more salary. I want more title. I want this and this and this. And those were like milestones that an ADD kid could like seek and run for. And so that was, that was something that I, um, became really excited about in the corporate world. And then I remember there was one day in 2013 and it was after I was working at a bank, but I had just finished my MBA in entrepreneurship, which made no sense. Um, but I just felt it. I felt something happening. Um, and in 2013, I walked into my boss's office and I told her, I have no idea what I want to be when I grow up. So this wasn't that long ago. Um, I have no idea what I want to be when I grow up, but it's not this. And I haven't been corporate ever since. 
That's incredible. And I love how you brought it back to waking up at 4 a.m. with your dad and watching him go through all those obstacles because my dad is also like owns his own business and I can really connect with you on like saying how hard they work definitely impacted how I work today and how I want to work with AM Therapeutics and what me and Abby have been working on for the past year and a half. So that was really something that I could connect with. And I was like, wow, like I felt that. Like that's something Aww. that we could really like connect with. So that was yeah. inspiring. I remember being a really little girl. I, I don't even know how old I was, but I was making my dad, um, I was waking up before he did so I could make coffee in my fake kitchen situation and like make him an invisible breakfast and put it on the fireplace and like have him eat breakfast and (laughs) I'm just like remembering this moment but I've always seen you wake up early you work really hard and then you're there for the family like he was so present um but he Mm -hmm. but he was always working yeah and those I love that those kind of role models are so integral to just finding what you love to do because I feel like a lot of times people they do what they don't necessarily want to do or love to do but what they think they should do so Mm -hmm. everything that you've talked about is so nice because it's like you trust what you feel and that's been amazing for us to hear because we want to do what we want to do so to know that there's people um like you who are already pursuing that is amazing that's that's such a good point um keep that there's going to be there's going to be a day where you're working in an office and you feel I run into people, I'm 40 in a couple of weeks, actually. And I run into people my age still who are like, oh, retirement's coming in eight years. And I'm like, so? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like there's, uh, there's just so many people that want to do, want to, and, and yeah, it's a hard journey. And sometimes it's miserable. And some it's sometimes it's extremely lonely, but the freedom that comes with, or just even the joy that comes with having a career that you can shape yourself. Um, even if it is in the corporate world, you always have a choice. You always have a choice. If you walk into the office and you have a horrible boss, you can find another job. Um, and that goes back to that networking and that mentoring thing. Like if you, keep your network with you and you're constantly growing separately. Um, You're bringing that value into your job anyways, but you also have an escape pod if you need it. Like um, you guys are going to be extremely marketable and you just have to remember that you have to sit in your office and be like, I hate every single day here. You've got to get out of there. You like, that's been something um, I have I have, yeah, I've definitely leaned on my mentors for like lunch, many, many lunches of like, this just doesn't feel right anymore. And they're like, why are you, why are you there? (laughs) So call, call the people who are going to knock some sense into you is, is kind of how I do it. Yeah. That's beautifully put. And we'll definitely have to keep that in mind, like as we progress, but (laughs) thank you so much for your time and sharing your experience and your perspectives with us today. Yeah, this yes, is listening to sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was like, this is this is fun. I could talk all day on this. Yeah, I know. I love this. <laughs> I know. Just listening to you overcoming all your obstacles and being such an outgoing person and so passionate about everything that you do is incredible. So yeah. I think we're gonna well, end it with saying thank you so much. And this is Innovators Growth Podcast where we inspire the next generation of young young entrepreneurs. Yeah.